0: Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. Yeah. 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 And Tyler is, is faithfully serving here. He's here for like everything. And I don't know if you noticed, but he was on the worship team today up here on the stage. So if you see Tyler today, give him a, give him a pat on the shoulder and, and thank him for sharing his testimony. You know, it can be scary to share your testimony, right? It can be, be a little nerve-wracking. So, um, But but we do it in a way here. If you have a, have a testimony you'd like to share, we do it in a way uh, that, that is not very scary. Um, we sit you down in a room. Uh, you It's just you and Pastor Joey and Pastor Dom a lot of times, and they just asked you some questions, and and they let you share your story. And guys, um, we're going to talk today about testimony and how we overcome by the word of our testimony, and that these things, when we share things like this, it gives us hope for our futures and and tells us that God can do it, right? So, uh, so anyway, I'm excited about today and, and about getting into the Word, um, but I want to just talk about last week. How many people were here last week? Heard Johnny Verican. Uh Yeah, he, he was just awesome last week. I want, I want you to know something about him. He, uh, he's just, he's really an incredible guy. He demanded that half of his love offering come back to our building fund, and he said, if you don't do that, I will send half of it back to you anyway in a donation check. And so, uh, so he's just like, I see what God's doing here, and I'm just excited about it. And so he's a, he's a, a stand-up guy. So if you ever want more information about, about his ministries, the things that he's doing, you know, contact the church. We'd love to get you connected and, and let you know more about, about that. But, uh, but the building's coming along, isn't it? Yeah. just want to point out to all you children at heart, you're not allowed to go in the construction zone. Okay, So we need to do our best to make sure that we keep kids and adults that have you know, childlike faith um, out, out of the building area because it, it is a dangerous zone, and they do stop on the end of Friday, and they, you know, obviously they do their best to make sure it's safe, but it's construction zone, so please uh, be careful. Um, we've been in this series called The Forgettables. Everybody say The Forgettables. uh, People like Moses, Noah, David, Peter, John, people like that, they're, they're household names. Everybody knows these big names of the faith, but there's so many people that have these incredible stories or play these huge parts in the word that we have just forgotten about. Because for one reason or another, they're just forgettable. And so we're in the middle of kind of our summer series talking about these kind of people. And so I'm excited today. Today we're actually uh, going to talk about two forgettables, one who's not even named, and the other who is the main character of the story. And so before I get into it, let's bow our heads, let's just pray and prepare our hearts for the word. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for every person that's in this place. Lord, I thank you for Tyler and his testimony, how powerful it is that, that with the power of the Holy Spirit, with your spirit in our lives, God, that we can be overcomers and that we can, we can see the victory and we can, we can reach the victory with you. God, I pray that today as we get into your word that you, you help us to see the victory in our lives. Lord, that you speak to our hearts. Let us have ears that hear, hearts that understand. Lord, and minds that desire to live like you, and to live for you, and let the words that I share not be my words, Lord, but the words that you've laid on my heart for all of us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today I want to talk about Naaman. Everybody say Naman. Naaman. I didn't say name, I said Naaman. Okay. We want to talk about Naaman. Now I don't want you to shout anything out and be, you know, spoiler alert, but how many people in this place know Naaman's whole story? Okay, there's like five hands in the whole place. All right, so so clearly he's pretty forgettable. And, uh, and, and so I want to read this story. It's going to take me just a minute to read it. And then I want to break it down and talk about what's so significant about Naaman and his story. So, uh, so anyway, listen along. Here we go. It's in 2 Kings. Uh, it's chapter 5, and it goes from verse 1 to 19. So this is the story of Naaman. Everybody say Naman. Naaman. Okay. Number 1, verse 1. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and he was highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Not Israel, Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. You've heard of this in the Bible before. Leprosy, leprosy is a skin disease where you get sores on your body, all over your body. Uh, it's a disease of the skin. Actually, uh, there were a lot of uh, different skin diseases that happened that they just called leprosy back then. But, but in general, he had you know leprosy. It was this thing where you got all these sores all over your skin. It was very, it was very painful at first. But then what would happen is is leprosy causes you to lose sensitivity in your extremities. And so often uh, people who had leprosy back then would be very disfigured because they would have no feeling in their fingers or their toes or their nose or their ears and then they would get in accidents and they would lose those extremities. They'd cut their fingers off or their feet or their toes or they would hit their nose and something would happen and they would lose parts of their body and they wouldn't have any feeling and they wouldn't know it. And so, they, so a lot of times, now I don't think Naaman was to this point, but he was a soldier, right? And not having feeling in your fingers and in your toes and, and have, you know, the chance of losing extremities was better when you were fighting. And so, so Naaman was this great guy. He was a great leader. And the Lord had honored him because he was a great guy with victory in war. And because of that, the king liked him. But he had leprosy. Verse 2. That was only verse 1. Look at how deep this is already. (laughs) Verse 2. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl. Everybody say young girl. From Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. He went to his master who was the king And verse 5, it says, By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read this. With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now, to give you some perspective about the gifts that he brought, or the things he brought with him to pay for Uh, for this guy to heal him. Um, So, 10 talents of silver is about 750 pounds of silver. That that today would be worth about $180,000. 6,000 shekels of gold was about 150 pounds of gold, which today would be worth $3,120,000. So, this was no joke, (laughs) He was going to Israel, and the king loved him so much and saw so much value in him that he sent him with this much money so that he could be healed. To go, by the way, to Israel, who was their enemy, to ask for the healing. It's pretty good. It's a lot of money. Verse 7, as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? Verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard what the king of Israel, or that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. He said, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10 says, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away, what? Angry. And said, I thought that he would surely have come out to me and, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farbar, I don't even know if that's the way you say those, I don't care, Uh, the rivers of Damascus, aren't the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Verse 13, Naaman's service went to him and said, listen to this, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you just wash and be cleansed, something so small? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept this gift. 3.5 million dollars. So please accept this gift from your servant." The prophet answered, As as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman Naaman urged him to take it, he refused. Verse 17, If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. Life change. But may the Lord, and I think this is cool, "May, may the Lord forgive your servant, for this one thing, when my master enters the temple of Raman, a pagan god, to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, uh, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Raman, will the Lord forgive your servant for this? Verse 19, go in peace, Elijah said. Pretty cool story, isn't it? I read that story. I thought, this is just such a cool story about this guy who's got this problem, and he goes, and, and, and God heals him of the thing, and he doesn't just, like, Oh, thanks for the healing. I'm going to go back to killing people in Israel now. Instead, he changes his entire life to only honor God, the Lord of Israel. It's cool. So this is where I feel like uh, God was leading me in this message. And as I was reading it, there's some things that jumped out to me that I, that I really want to share with you today that I think this, this story really illustrates. Um, and this, this, is be- this is it in a nutshell is when you are asked... Will you act? When you're asked, that's kind of hard to say that way. It's like a tongue twister. Will you act? What jumped out to me in this story is that it illustrates how God communicates with his people. Naaman, the main character of the story, is, is directly, directly instructed by three different, in, in three different ways by three different groups of people. But all by God. The first time he's told what to do in the story comes from this little servant girl who, by the way, was originally going to be the forgettable that I was going to talk about. So I I, I planned to, to talk about her, and as I got into the story, I was like, this is great, because she's not even named and so there's actually been a lot of history dug up about, about this girl, and there's been a lot of theologians that studied out her life. And, and so she was a young girl from Israel, and the raiders from Aram were, were also considered soldiers. And they, there was this war, this battle with Israel going on, and she's stolen away from the city that she lived in. And, and a lot of, you know, there's, a lot, there's a lot of different possibilities of how that happened. She may have watched her parents be killed by the raiders. Here she is in, in the house. She's a young girl. And she would have been just ripped away from her family or ripped away from her city and thrust into slavery. And there's two scriptures about her. One says she was, you know, she was stolen away. And then the very next scripture says she's telling her, her mistress, Naaman's wife, about how Naaman can be healed. There's obviously a lot of time that would have passed between her being stolen away from Israel and her being in the house of Naaman. She would have been uh, captured. They would have traveled back to Aram. She would have been taken to the market where she would have been sold as a slave. Naaman would have been there. He He would have bought her as a slave. He would have then assigned her the job to be a maidservant in his wife's quarters, which would have been actually a pretty good job considering there's so many different things and he probably had a huge estate, being that he was a commander of the army. So there would have been people working in the fields, there would have been people working all around the houses, and the, and, and, but she gets to be placed in the inner sanctum of Naaman's life, being with this mistress, with his wife. And he must have been a pretty good owner, master, for her to care enough to tell the wife how he could be healed, right? The Bible says that he was a great man, that God honored him, and so we can assume from that that he also was a great master, and we see that, that even a servant girl who was stolen away from her family wants to see him healed. Not a great position of life, but still she has compassion. Those verses, I'll read them again, Second Kings 5, 2, and 3. It says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out, taking captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. She said to Naaman's wife, her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now why would she know to tell the wife of Naaman that she knew he could be healed? Like, how would she know that, that if if he went to Elijah? Because, coming from Israel, she would have known that the prophet Elijah was connected with God. She would have known from her past that he had done miracles before, and he had done incredible things, and that if there was anybody in the world who could heal him because of past testimony... That this guy could heal Naaman. We just watched a video of a testimony, didn't we? And there's some of you in here who are struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction, and you think I can't do this. There's no way, I can't overcome. I I I have tried. I have tried. I have tried. I have tried. And 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 the problem is is there's an I at the beginning of that sentence. But Tyler's testimony should be one to say, hey, I know that there is this thing called the Holy Spirit, just like the girl. If you go to Samaria to this guy, he can heal Naaman. But if if you will allow the Holy Spirit to be in control and lead a position of your life, he can lead you out of addiction. We overcome, the word says, by the word, by the word of our testimony. The Point number one today is this. Past experience tells us that God can. Everybody say, God can. God can. That's why we show testimony videos every week is because we want you to know that God can do it. Everybody say, God can. God can. In your situation, God can. In your marriage, God can. When you feel like you can't do it, God can. In your financial situation, God can. Things that seem impossible become possible because God can do it. That scripture that I use all the time, they overcome by the word of, you know, blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony, it's in Revelation 12:11, and it says this. It says, and they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, we all, when we accept Jesus into our lives, the blood of the Lamb, Jesus dying on the cross, washes over our sins. Amen? Amen. We're no longer bound by, by the sin that we live in. But to live an overcoming life, to live that victorious life, we do it through faith that's built by the word of our testimony. When Naaman was told by this little girl, he didn't even question it. He went to the king and said, I want to go. When you see this testimony from Tyler, do you think, okay, I got this. God's got this. Let's go. The next time we see God instructing Naaman is through the prophet Elijah. And not Elijah, Elisha. Everybody say, shh. Elisha. Shh. Okay, 2 Kings 5:10, it says, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. This seems pretty easy, doesn't it? Like just go cannonball seven times in the river, and you will be clean. Yet we read that Naaman refuses it. Naaman gets angry. This is too easy. You know, God, I think God up in heaven does have the giant easy button. Well, that was easy, right? <laughs> Nothing's impossible for God, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need, it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be a quest to the other side of, you know, Mordor and to be able to, you know, put the ring in the thing and be able to, you know, and then be able to be free or whatever it is. No, it's easy. Everybody say, it's easy. It's easy. For God, it's easy. He's mad. He, I say that God told him to do it. God told him to get in the river because Elijah was a prophet speaking for God. God was speaking through, directly through Elisha to him. So, so God it was really the one who told Naaman what to do. So that's point number two is this. When God speaks, we need to move. When God speaks, we need to move. What's interesting about this is that more often than not, we will listen to someone else tell us to do something, but when God tells us to do something, we don't listen or we don't do it. Think about this. How many people, don't raise your hands, please. How many people have friends who were in Amway and made a bunch of money and told you you should join Amway or any other scheme? <laughs> I raised my hand for everyone. Why did you do it? Because they said you could make money. And then you didn't make any money. Or maybe not as much as you thought you'd make. But if God puts it on your heart to pay for the person's groceries in front of you at Meyer today, you'll go, nah, that's not God. That's just the pizza I ate before I came. You'll convince yourself that, that no. You realize how hard it is to become rich in Amway? Unbelievably difficult. And takes incredible amounts of time. Somebody's like, no, for me, well, you're just blessed then. <laughs> go tell somebody else about it. It's tough. It's hard work. And you have to go and go and go and meet with people. And you have to, like, I, I once was walking, I, I, I honestly think this guy was total scammer. Just, I was walking through the mall, and, I, and, somebody, and somebody just turned around and goes, Ross? And I'm like, yeah. Do you remember me? We, were, we went to, to school together and, and we went to Grand Valley together. I was like, oh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, I'm Josh. I was, hey, I'd love to get together with you sometime. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was walking with my wife and she had just said my name and I was wearing my Grand Valley hat. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And so the guy's like pushing me, and then of course we get together and he pulls out his laptop. Let me just show you some way I'm making some money. It's hard work. you got to be shyster. No, sometimes. You know what's not hard work? Paying for the person's groceries right in front of you. And you know what the reality of that whole situation is? Is that the blessing you will receive for honoring God goes way beyond what Hamway can do for you. And it was so easy. That was easy. I, but, we, but we run. We run from it. Luke 6.46 says this, Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it. That's the blessing of honoring God. People in Houghton right now know exactly what it's like to experience floods like that, and we should be praying for those people. Many of us have no idea what it's like to be in a flood, to experience what it's like to be in a structure that could come down or or, or be worried about your house or your life. But we have experienced floods because we've seen it in our lives when we haven't had foundation and things hit us. Things of life come along and we can't control it. We feel like we're washing away. We feel like we're being destroyed. Or we have friends or family who didn't have that foundation. And they get faced with things that just seem insurmountable. Notice it says that the torrent did strike the house. The flood did hit the house. But the blessings of honoring God when he says to move, that we move when we do those things, is that even when the torrent hits our house, because it's going to hit our house, is that we will not be shaken. Say, I will not be shaken. The benefits of honoring God outweigh the benefits of honoring ourselves. But Naaman says no. He's mad. He's mad that it's so easy. He's mad that Elijah didn't come out and face him. Elisha, Elisha. I blended it together. Um, that that he he's mad about all these different things, and so he's gonna he's gonna leave with three point five million dollars in precious stone or whatever you want to call it, in precious metal, and he's gonna he's gonna leave. He was willing to listen to a girl who like does his wife's hair, but he wasn't willing to listen to a servant who's connected to God because it seems so easy just doesn't seem right. We'll go to great lengths to do things on our own. But like Naaman, we often won't do the little things for God. So this is incredible. The third time he's instructed is as he's heading home, his servants confront him about this. 2 Kings 5.13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How much more than when he tells you, just wash and be clean? Number three, the right people will lead you the right way. I find this so interesting, and I said this about the servant girl too, is that Naaman's servants seem to really care about him. You notice this? servant girl cares about him and now the, the people who are lugging like gold so that he could like they travel with him and they're doing all this now i know they're his servants but but they uh, they're, th- they're probably thinking hey we're headed home this is good job done wouldn't you just want to get back home no instead they stop him and they say naaman naaman wait a second you we care about you we don't want you to have leprosy anymore don't you think that you're, at, you're overreacting a little bit? How many people overreact a little bit every now and then? You can raise your hands. all right. My hand's up. Every day. How many people with me? Everybody say amen. You guys didn't even say it loud. That was the worst amen I've ever heard in church. Amen. <laughs> he must have been good to those servants for them to want to care that much to say, now let's Let's turn around. Come on, Naaman. Do you have people in your life who care about you? Like I'm talking really care about you. You do realize that they had lugged that gold and silver and all that stuff all the way there. They were on their way back. And they said, we can't let them do this. Let's go back again. Let's lug this stuff all the way back. Why? Because we care about this guy. Do you have people in your life who care about you and who would go the extra mile for you? Better yet than than people who care about you, do you have the right people? God can use the right people to speak into your life. Say, I need the right people. Where do you get your advice for life? Is it from people who are guiding you towards trusting and following God or is it from people who are leading you away? You've heard it said, you've heard me say that, that there's studies that have proven you are a combination of the, people, the five people who are closest to you. Who are those five people? Where do you get your advice for life? Who are they? It never fails. This, and, and I'm not trying to be mean today, I'm just telling the truth. It never fails that if someone's thinking about getting divorced, they ask advice from people who got divorced. Usually, it's people who they see as divorced and happy. They never get advice from the person who's divorced and completely miserable about losing their marriage. Like, so how'd that work out for you? It's terrible. Well, I don't want to talk to them. I want to go to somebody who looks good after divorce. And they almost never go to married couples who've lasted forever, who've been married for 50 years. They never go to those people because, why? Because they want to get divorced. And so they go to people who are going to support that. They don't... I was having, this is another, another avenue of this same topic, is I was having a conversation with somebody about some spiritual things. Sometimes we want to make our own decisions about spiritual things and then use the Bible to back them up instead of using the Bible to help us formulate our spiritual decisions. We, we want to go, we want to make our decision and then we want to get advice from people who are going to help us complete our decision, not guide us in the right way. And so we we have these people in our lives who are just going to continue to lead us down the wrong path. And so but, but but we need the right people. Proverbs 27, 17 says this as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Unless that person is wood and not iron. Right? You ever whittle a branch? I'm weird. I do that every now and then. The knife doesn't stay sharp. Eventually, it starts to dull. And if you're surrounding yourself with people who are, not, who are not the right people, you'll end up dulling your life. And God can speak through the right people. And if God can speak through the right people, don't you think the devil can speak through the wrong people? So how do we find those people? Because that's one of the biggest things. I just don't have people like that in my life. I just don't have them. You know how you find those people? Become one of the right people, and you will find the right people. Because you'll find that the people who are not the right people won't want to be around you anymore. (laughs) If you'll become one of the right people, you'll find the right people. But if you keep living the life the way you are, if, you don't, if you're not willing to change, Naaman changed everything. He even changed so far as to say, hey, Elisha, this is just part of my life. I, and, and here, this maybe should give you some hope. I, he says, I don't have a choice. I have to be around the king of Aram. You might be saying, well, do I have to completely get away from those family, those people in my life, the people that that I would probably say are the wrong people, but they're like my parents, or they're my brother, or they're this or that. This is exactly the case that Naaman's in. He can't get away from the king of Aram who doesn't believe in God. So what he does instead is he he asks the Lord through Elisha to say, hey, will you just in advance forgive me for the fact that I still have to be in the presence of that, but I'm not going to live that way. Mm. See, he did a bunch of things right. He had the right people around him. People who, because he was the right person to them, they were the right person back. And, and then when, when this happened, he decided to make a 180 degree change the opposite direction and completely change his life and live for God. I think it's interesting. He says that, it says that Elisha won't take the gold I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh, But then he says we want to take the earth, take as much earth as the donkeys can carry, so they had to unload the colt, right? (laughs) I don't know where it went, but, uh, but what mattered more to him was that he honored God than any of that wealth, than any of the earthly things he could have. He changed everything to live for God. 2 Kings 5.14, so he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored, he was healed. God wants to restore you. He wants you to have life. He wants you to have it, as the Bible says, more abundantly. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to have happiness. But when he speaks, we gotta listen. Whether he speaks through testimonies, Whether he speaks directly to our heart, speaks to us exactly what we're supposed to do, and we know it in our heart, or whether he speaks through the right people that we've put in our lives. God, God is speaking. And when God asks, will you act? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for your word today. The story of Naaman, God this person that seems so forgettable, this story that just is this short little thing about a guy being healed of leprosy. But God, how you speak through that story, how suddenly things come off the page about how you used people, testimonies, your servants, Elisha, the right people to help guide Naaman. Lord, let that speak to us about how you communicate. That we don't always have to hear an audible voice. Lord, that we can trust and have our faith grow because we hear testimonies of other people being healed, being touched, being moved by you. Lord, let, let us be encouraged that when we're living life and we feel that urging in our heart of what we're supposed to do, that you're speaking to us and that we'll be people that will move right now. And Lord, I pray that that today some of us are evaluating whether we have the right people in our lives. And that if we can become the right person to others, that you will draw the right people to us, that care about us, that want to see us succeed, that want to see us make it to the destiny that you created us for. Lord, I thank you for these people, and I just pray you're speaking to our hearts today. Let us understand what you're speaking. If you're here with everybody's eyes closed and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, but you want to, maybe me talking about living a life that has a purpose, changing from one place to another. Maybe Tyler's testimony spoke to you today and you're thinking, I need God in my life because I'm struggling with those kind of things. If that's you and you want Jesus, you want God in your life and you want to begin moving in a direction that's going to produce goodness in your life, if that's you, with everybody's eyes closed in this place, just right now, lift your hand up. Is there anybody who wants to make Jesus Lord and begin that process in this place today? As well, if you're watching online right now, God wants to meet you right where you are. If you're in your home, on your couch, if you're in your car, if you're running on the treadmill, listen in. God can meet you right where you are right now. So we're going to say a prayer here in a moment. And the Bible says that if If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, that you'll be saved. And we're going to say this prayer and confess with our mouth, but the hard part is the hard part. That's the part where, like Johnny said last week, when things get tough, when life throws a curveball at you, when the flood starts to hit your house, you lean into God instead of running away. And when things are awesome and amazing in life, that you don't celebrate yourself. Instead, you celebrate that God was there with you and leading you into that victory. So even if you didn't raise your hand in this place today, that doesn't matter. God wants to meet you here. So if you're saying this prayer sincerely from your heart, you become a child of God. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. To die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner and I have struggled with sin, but today I'm different. I'm a new creation, a child of God, redeemed, remastered, and remade. Today I choose to make you Lord of my life, and to live for you. Lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.